This is Truth and Love Ministries, where we bring people home to God by learning His truth and experiencing His unending love. Today, we uncover the truth and learn the lies about worship. Over time, we've seen, been told, and heard many different things about the subject, so let's get to the truth of the matter. We pray this message refreshes you and speaks encouragement to whatever is going on in your life right now. Let's listen in to a message titled, The Truth and Lies About Worship. I want to say good morning to everybody. It's a blessing to be here, to be alive. We ought to thank God for everything that he's done for us throughout this week. Everything he's blessed us with for his protection, for his love, for his mercy, for his grace, for all of his compassion and kindness. If you cannot look around and see how good God has been to you, then you need to look. You're not looking in the right places. We need to continue to lift up our um, frontline workers, the people that are working so tirelessly to try to keep us well, alive, safe. We are 180,000 plus that have died from the pandemic. We need to continue to break the power of the negative words that spoken, words that speak and say there will be 200,000 by mid-September mid and 300,000 by the end of the year. I pray God to intervene in this. and We break the power of those negative words that's been spoken to us, through us, over us, and about us. And we still call on our God to have mercy upon us, Lord God. We pray for our leaders. We pray, Lord God, that you would turn their hearts to righteousness and truth, turn their hearts, oh God, to do your work and to do your will. We're asking you, Father, to work in the midst of this situation. Only you can fix it. Only you can resolve it, Lord God. So I'm asking you to work and to move in it, Lord, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ of Nazareth. And Father, we pray for we pray for those that are sick with the pandemic, Lord God, and we declare that that their lives and their times are in your hand, that you have the keys to death, to hell, and to the grave. And so, Lord, we ask you, Lord God, we ask you, and we cover them with the precious blood of Jesus, asking you to keep them, to protect them, and to help and to have mercy upon them, Lord God. And Lord, I just pray for the situations all over the nation where another young man has been shot. Thank God that he's still alive. Thank God that he's alive. And Lord, we pray that he will be able to somehow walk again. I'm asking you, Lord God, to restore and reconnect that, that spinal cord and those nerves and and, and what's disconnected and been damaged, Lord God. You are the maker and the creator of our physical body. Therefore, there's nothing. Many things are impossible with men, but all things are possible with our God. So, Lord, we're asking you to work and to move and to intervene. Lord, I pray for our police, Lord God, and, and, and the difficult tasks and jobs that they have. Asking you, Lord, to intervene in these situations. 
asking you, Lord God, we bind the devil that's operating in this situation, trying to cause strife, division, and there's already separation in this nation, Lord God. I pray, Father, against a racial war that seemed to be on the horizon in this nation, Lord. I pray against it today. I pray against it, Lord, that these these groups won't rise up and and go out and intentionally kill. And the young man that felt like he should take it upon himself to defend those businesses businesses with 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 the AR-15 and kill two people and injured another. I'm asking you, Lord, to intervene in this country. Intervene, oh Lord, in our nation. Intervene, Lord God, and have mercy, Lord. Have mercy, Lord God. Have mercy upon us. Have mercy upon us. I feel like uh, Jehoshaphat when he said, Lord, we're surrounded. Our enemies are bigger than us, and we don't know what to do. But, Lord, our eyes are, are focused on you. So, Lord, I'm asking you to work and to move and to intervene in these situations, sir, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ of Nazareth. And Father, I bless you and praise you and thank you and worship you and honor you for it, sir. In Jesus' name, Lord God, in Jesus' name. Thank you so much, Lord. Today, we're gonna talk about the truth and some of the lies about worship. One of the, worship is a critical part of our of who we are as Christians and actually who who we are as people whether we realize it or not we were made for this we were created for it and and whether we understand it or not we are constantly and consistently doing it one thing we should note about anything that pertains to God is that Satan is opposed to anything that will bring us closer to each other and God we need to have our eyes open. We need to know that this is the mission of the devil. This is where he's going to attack us. Some way, somehow, he's going to try to separate you from God. And he's going to try to separate us from each other. Some way, somehow. That's his goal. That's his mission. He's gonna, and, 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 and what is his method? If that's his mission, what is his method? His method is... Is lies. The devil is a liar and the father thereof. What does he use to affect his method? He uses stuff that's already there, already in us, and he works that to his advantage. So a lot of times I can be, you know, and, and I see this in my life every day, not necessarily in church but just in life in general. You know, based on what I've seen, what I've been through, what I've, how I've been raised, what I've experienced, all of that determines how I see and view life in general. It determines how I see it. It determines how I see other people. So if I don't allow God to fix some of those issues that I deal with, then I leave them open and, 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 and the devil is gonna exploit them and try to use them to his advantage to keep me from progressing and being who God called and created me to be. So I want to say 
to you that anytime you're in a dilemma where you're having a situation, whether it be on a job, whether it be in church, whether it be in your family, when you're dealing with a dilemma, always ask God, ask God to illuminate you, to open the eyes of your understanding so that you can see what's truly going on, what's truly happening, because the devil is doing all that he can to separate and divide us, to keep us from each other and to keep us from God. He opposes things that would draw us to God. He opposes Bible reading. He opposes church. He opposes unity. He opposes giving, love, and worship. And we should know that any time we make an attempt to worship God, Satan is going to do all that he can to try to stop it. Why? Because number one, that's the reason we were created. Number two, he has a desire himself to be worshipped. He has a desire to him for himself to be worshipped. And therefore, he despises, he despises any worship that we are willing to give God. Anytime that we try to worship God, he's going to try to interfere and stop it. Because number one, it draws us closer to God. It draws us closer to God. And anything that draws us closer to God is going to draw us closer to each other. And so we got we to gotta wake up and realize this is what's happening. This is what's happening. We got to remember the scripture in Ephesians 6 that says, For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. We got to wake up and recognize that there is an enemy that does not slumber or sleep. He is a spirit and that when, while we are sleeping, he's working. He's coming up. He's contriving plans and schemes to try to work and to move and to, and to, and to interfere and to afflict and to stop and to hinder things from happening and coming to pass in our lives, especially things. That would draw us closer to God. Bible reading, church, anything concerning unity or giving or love or worship. We should know that when we make an attempt to worship God or to do anything toward God, that Satan's going to intervene. One of his key weapons is sleep. Sleep. We can, we can, it's amazing how he does not bother us when we're watching our favorite show, when we're watching, our, watching the game that we, we so love, the team that we, we so enjoy watching. He don't bother us. But at the moment that I try to read, the moment that I try to pray, I become distracted. I become tired and sleepy, and the devil seeks to stop us from doing the things that's critical to our spiritual to survival. And in most cases, he succeeds and we fall for his tricks. He gets us to thinking about something else. He causes spats at home on our way to church, mostly about nothing. In church, he may cause a, a child to cry or to act out to get our attention, to get people focused on that and off of trying to connect with God and to unify with our Lord. He, 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 he does these things to distract us. So I'm trying to get you to see that when things happen in church, 
When things start to happen in church, we got to wake up and recognize and realize that the devil sometimes is behind all these things. He's instigating these things. He knows that he can't, once we get to church, he knows he can't stop us from coming to church. But then his objective is, is to keep us from getting anything out of it. It's to keep us from worship. And let me say this, every one of us plays a part in this. Every one of us has to play, do our part in this. He gets us to think about a problem or, 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 or we have or something we need to take care of after church. You're sitting in church, you're, you're, you're trying to focus and pay attention, and all of a sudden you start thinking about your job or start thinking about something that you need to do. Our favorite song is not sang. Or the person singing, in our opinion, can't sing. We don't know the song or the music is just too loud. So many things that Satan uses to get us off point. To get us off point. True worship is going to require some effort on our part. We're going to have to be more determined than the devil or all we will ever do is go through the motions. I don't know about you, but I'm, 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 I'm a little tired of going through the motions. And let me say this, you know, in, in reference to worship, most of us were raised in Baptist churches. Most of us were taught certain things. Certain things have been programmed into us. Certain things have been taught to us, told to us, we've seen with our eyes, and therefore we think that these things are right and this is the way it has to be done and this is the way that God delights. Let me say to you, I believe that God has had mercy upon us and accepted what we've done because of our ignorance. But I believe now God wants us to step up and to come up and to come up to another level and to come up and to look up and to call and to cry out to him to help us in this area of worship, to help us. If that was, if you are made for a thing, it's got to be somewhat built into us on how to do that thing. I look, at, I look at National Geographic, you know, they, they were saying at a certain time, the hummingbirds, they leave, they, 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 they fly south, they go where they can find nectar in the flowers and, and they can find food to live and survive. Most birds fly south. Plants go dormant, looks dead, but they're not dead, they go dormant. All of these things automatically transpire and take place because God has created them to do so. He's created them and made them to do so and to be and, to, and for these things to happen. It's built within animals to know mating season and mating processes, processes and procedures. It's built into them to know these things. And guess what? I truly believe that it's built into us to know how to worship, to know how to worship. I don't believe that God called us and created us to do a thing and didn't equip us to do it. 
I believe if we begin to look at our lives and see where our focus and attention is, we might find where our worship is. Unintentional, not planned, not purposeful, not meant to be, but where Satan has distracted us and led us off and led us astray and got us focused on something other than our God. May God help us. In the book of John, chapter 4, Jesus actually meets this woman at the well, and he tells her about her life. He tells her that she, she's had five husbands, and the one that she has now is not her own. And he asked, he, 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 he asked for water and told her that if she knew who she was talking to, she would be asking of water, asking water from him. And then she, after he told her about her life, not knowing her, she realized, sir, I, I perceive that you are a prophet. And then it picks up here in verse 20. It says, our father worshiped on this mountain. But you say that in Jerusalem is the place where people ought to worship. Jesus said to her, listen at the words Jesus is speaking. Woman, believe me, the hour is coming. When neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. That's a key point. We worship what we know for salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth for the Father, listen at this, the Father is seeking such people to worship him. In other words, listen folks, God is walking around. He's, he's roaming the earth. He's patrolling. He's going up and down. And he's looking for people to worship him. Then he goes on and said, God is spirit. And those who worship him must worship him in spirit and truth. You know, one thing you got to realize that it, it was agreed between the Jews and the Samaritans that God is to be worshipped. Even those who were such fools as to worship false gods were not such brutes as to, as to worship none. And whether people worship a false god or not, or whether they worship our god or not, they are worshiping on a continual and a day-to-day basis. The first thing I want you to know about worship is that is worship has to have an object upon which to focus. The Jews and the Samaritans, the Jews and the Samaritans both agreed that it was God. Both agree that God was to be worshipped. I believe even the heathen believes that, that, that some form of God has to be worshipped. They know they have to have an object. And in, mo in a lot of countries, they come up with physical objects. They come up with things to worship because they need something to put their physical hands on. That's why our our beliefs require faith because God is what? He is a spirit. He's a spirit. 
So the first thing is that we is is that we have to have an object to focus our worship upon. Worship on. The second thing is we should not allow worship to be tied to a place. Jesus clears this up that the place is not the main issue in worship. We've also grown to think that worship is something that we do at church when we come to church. And that's true. That's, called, that's what we call corporate worship when we all come together and worship our God. That's where the challenges are, but that's also where the power can be. Because Jesus said, if any two on earth would agree as touching anything they shall ask, it'll be done on my Father which is in heaven. Listen, where two or three are gathered together in my name, there am I in the midst of them. He also said in the church, I'll praise my father. In other words, he said, I'll be here when worship is going on. Let me say this to you. If anybody, if you, if you're around anybody and they start to worship or I don't want to use, you know, we don't like to use word worship when it refers to people, but we do it. When, if, if they begin to worship another person or spend so much time bragging on another person guess what it does to us it actually causes us not to want to be around if you go around somebody and all they do is talk about this particular person ah, so and so so good they so nice they so sweet they so kind they so smart they so this they so that they oh 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 and we don't really want to talk to them if that's all they're going to talk about and that's how god is and literally and true really and truly that's how the devil is if we'll spend time worshiping our God, then it distracts, it discourages the devil from coming around. And it actually draws God to us. But Jesus is clearing this up that the place is not the main issue in worship. The Samaritan woman said, our fathers worship in this mountain, but you say in Jerusalem is the place where men ought to worship. But Jesus said, it is coming and is now here. The time has come that men will worship the Father in, not in this mountain, but in spirit and in truth. He said, now, it's not going to be limited or controlled by a place. The third thing we need to know from these scriptures is this. The manner in which we worship is what Jesus state to be of utmost importance. The manner in which we worship. He said it must be in spirit and in truth. Why? Because God is spirit and God deals in truth. So it has to be. The manner of worship, the manner in which we worship, is what Jesus said is the most important. And I want you to note this, that, that he also said in that very same scripture, he told them that they didn't know what they worshipped. In other words, there are a lot of people worshipping, but don't know what to worship. Or really don't know who to worship, or who it is they're worshipping. If you are a worshiper of God, then you have to know him in order to worship him. So, because 
in order to worship him, you got to know what he desires. Without knowing God, you can never know, you can never worship him the way he desires to be worshipped. You'll do like we've been doing for years. You'll worship him out of ignorance. You'll worship him out of generational training. You'll worship him out of what you've seen, what you've heard, what you've been told, what you've been taught. We have certain things in our head, in our mind, in our hearts that we consider to be worship. As creatures, we worship the father of all. As Christians, we worship the father of our Lord Jesus Christ. We must know who we worship. We must know who we worship. We must know what he said. We must know what he's done. We must know what he, re he requires. Knowledge is critical in worship. You can't worship God if you don't know him. That's why he wrote a book so that we can know him. We can know how he desires to be worshipped. In the Old Testament, he laid out rules and regulations and, and stipulations on how he wanted to be worshipped, how they were to approach him. And in most cases, if he were approached wrong, people or persons died. We can't do it the way we want to do it. Then our worship must consist less in bodily exercise and animated and invigorated more with divine power and energy. It must be in spirit and in truth. In other words, what I'm trying to tell you is that we have got to come to a place where we're not so much moved by physical things as we are the spirit. Remember what I always say. The Bible says the Holy Spirit is in heaven and he, he, he only speaks what he hears. So if he's listening in heaven, then he's actually speaking in the earth. And what is he speaking in the earth? He's speaking in the earth what he just heard in the heavens. So if you want to know how to worship God, then it will require us to be in tune and sensitive to his spirit. Because the spirit just heard from the father what he wants to hear, what he wants, what he wants done, how he wants it done. It has to be in spirit and in truth. We have truly made a mess of worship. The focus, the motive. We don't worship God because he needs it. It's because we need it. Anything God created us to do, he created it to be done not because of a need that he has because God has no needs. It is because there is a need in us. There's something in us that needs to express ourselves in worship. 
But Satan has come along and perverted this whole thing. He's come along and, and caused our focus to be on other things, caused our focus to be on people, caused our focus to even be on ourselves, where we worship ourselves. God said in Luke chapter 19, verse 40, just to prove a point to you, that if we were silent, the stones would cry out. In other words, God is, he, he's not saying that he needs us to worship because he can require anything to worship. He chose us to worship because we need worship. When we worship, guess what happens? We become like what we worship. We've seen this in, in, happen to people that pattern their lives after people that they worship. We've seen this happen. I remember years ago, this young man worshipped Michael Jackson. And how do I know he worshipped him? Because guess what? He, had, he, he wore black all the time. He had a white glove. He had a jerry curl. He had the little short coats and all the things that Michael Jackson had. He had a case in his house with Michael Jackson's stuff in it. He patterned his life and himself after Michael Jackson. What we worship, we become like what we worship. We actually can become like what we worship. That's why God wants us to worship him. So why? We can become like him. We can become like him. Some are led to believe that when we worship, if we become emotional, we have entered in. A lot of us have tied worship to emotion only. Even being emotional. They feel like they have entered in because they have become emotional. Let me say this to you. If all that happens in worship is that the emotions are affected, all we have done is been entertained. We've been entertained. Because let me say this to you. The, mo the emotions are in the soul. What I think, what I feel, and what I decide. That's all in my soul. So, so emotional worship is soul worship. It's soul worship. And don't misunderstand me, folks. I'm not telling you that your emotions should not be involved. Our emotions play a critical part in everything that we do. God gave them to us. He put them there for a reason. But in order for there to be a change in our lives, the emotions have to affect the will to make a choice for permanent change. It's not enough just to cry. It's not enough just to be emotional the emotions are there to affect the will. The will, when, when, when the emotions affect the will, 
it affects our decision-making processes. Everybody know that we make decisions based on how we feel a lot of times. Therefore, the emotions are critical, and if the emotions are affected by the wrong thing, then the decision made will be wrong. In order for there to be change in our lives, the emotions have to affect the will to make a choice for permanent change. God has to work in this. Let's throw in one of the lies. One of the lies is you should be getting something out of worship. Here again, don't misunderstand what I'm saying. Don't think that I'm telling you that you should not be getting anything out of worship, but what I am telling you is that we are not promised anything from worship. In worship, we do the giving. We give him praise and prayers and offerings and love, our time and our attention and ultimately, ourselves. It is a time of giving. It's not for me to come to church and say that I didn't get anything out of it because I came to church to be a giver. I came to church to be a giver. And let me say this. You know, the song we sing, When It's Time to Give, we always say, you can't beat God giving. Let me say this to you. If you offer him your praise, your prayers, your offering, your love, your time, your attention, and ultimately yourself, you can't beat God giving. He'll return more to you than you could ever dream or desire. He'll give you more than you ever thought imaginable or possible. But one of the lies are, I, don't, I didn't get nothing out of it as if you're supposed to get something out of it. Let's throw another lie in. Only exciting emotional worship matters. Only exciting and emotional worship matters. We speak of worship services being dull dead, sleep-inducing, and cold. One wonders if it ever occurs to us that the Father in heaven alone judges worship. He alone has the right to judge worship. And let's say this, if you're judging worship, you're not in worship. You're sitting on the outside of it, looking at all the evidence, and coming up with a conclusion of whether it's real, genuine, true, or not. And God is the only one can, that can judge that because when you judge worship, you're judging the hearts of men and no one knows the heart of a man except the man and the God over the man. Another lie in worship is, Everyone else worships better than you. What a lie. Here again, God is the true judge of worship. Because the truth of the matter is, we have been so trained 
we have been so programmed that we can look as if we are deep into worship and be so far away that it would be laughable if you knew what was going on on the inside of that person. You would pity the person that you feel is doing better than you if you knew what was truly going on. Every one of us is helpless and hopeless. Every one of us are broken. Now, there are two excellent illustrations of people worshiping in the Bible. And let me make this statement before we get to that. We must be prepared for worship. Why? Because worship brings us into the presence of God. We must be prepared to worship, for worship, because worship brings us into the presence of God. In Isaiah 6, we see the prophet Isaiah worshiping. Why? Because he sees the Lord high and lifted up. Not only does he see the Lord, he sees his unworthiness and sin. And he also sees the unworthiness and sin of all the people. And guess what? After being purified from that sin, he hears the Lord call, the Lord's call to go. He answers, here am I, Lord, send me. Lesson to be learned. When we are in true worship, we will begin to see ourselves as we really are and compare ourselves not to others, but see ourselves as God sees us. That's why I said the statement prior to this is that we must be prepared to worship. In other words, worship is what brings us into the presence of God. And there's no way that you can get into the presence of God and not see how inept and inadequate and broken you are. If you are in a worship service and, and you can see the flaws and the faults in other people, you have not entered into worship. When you enter into worship, you will see yourself more than you see others. You will see how broken you are. You will see how sinful you are. You will see how messed up you are. Why? Because I see a perfect picture. And in comparison to that perfect picture, I am so miserably broken, weak, tattered, and torn. Worship should also change my character, my habits, and my way of life. Note what he said. He said, now, not only did he see himself, but he was also purified from, from his sin. And then he said, Lord, send me when God was looking for somebody to go. Note this, that in worship, he not only received, not only saw himself, but he also received direction, instruction. Forgiveness and deliverance came in worship. 
The direction of his life changed. He said, Lord, send me. First he said, he said, he said man, woe am I. Woe is me that I'm a man of unclean lips and I dwell among a people of unclean lips. Woe is me. But at the end, he was saying, Lord, send me. I'll go. I'll go for you. What a change. Worship should also change my character, my habits, and my way of life. Then in Luke chapter 10, we see Mary worshiping at the feet of the Lord in her home in Bethany. Jesus tell her, tells her sister Martha that Mary has chosen the one good thing which shall, which shall not be taken away from her. Mary chose to worship. Listen at that, folks. You got to choose to worship. Wes Morgan said it, I choose to worship. I choose to worship. And let me say this to you. No matter, worship cannot be based upon circumstances. You got to choose to worship. In difficulty, in darkness, in hardness. When it seems like you're not going to make it, you have to choose to worship. Why should I choose to worship? In Matthew 21 and 16, Jesus said to them, Yes, have you never read out of the mouth of infants and nursing babies, you have prepared praise. Let me, let me, let me take a note out of that. That he said out of infants and nursing babies. I believe that he's trying to show us innocence and humility. And he also said that out of this, out of this, you perfected praise. Now, that scripture actually is a reference out of Psalm 8 and 2. He says, out of the mouth of babies and infants, you have established strength because of your foes to steal the enemy and the avenger. Now he's telling us that praise and worship has power when it comes out of the mouth of babies and infants. It establishes strength. Praise. Why? Because of my enemies. To steal the enemy and the avenger. In other words, to stop the enemy and the avenger. To stop him. Remember what I said earlier, that when we worship, when we worship, when we worship, if you go around somebody that's talking about somebody all the time, it'll limit your visits to that person. Worship will do the same thing to the devil. It'll steal the enemy and the avenger because he don't want to hear about the greatness of God. He wants to hear about his greatness, how great he is, how awesome he is. And in Psalms 9, verse 2 and 3, it says, I will be glad and exult in you. I will sing praise to your name, O Most High. Look what he says. When my enemies turn back, they stumble and perish before your presence. Where did the presence come from? Because he exalted in God. He sung praises to the, his name, O Most High. And then what happened? His enemies turned back. And they stumble and perish where? In God's presence. Where did his presence come from? From his praise and his worship and his exalting God. That's where the presence of God comes from. 
That's where it is. In Matthew chapter 15, verse 8 and 9, listen at this. Jesus is speaking. He said, this people draweth nigh unto me with their mouth and honoreth me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. But in vain they do worship me, teaching for doctrines, the commandments of men. He said, they draw nigh unto me with their mouth, honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. In other words, remember what I said about judging yourself, other people worship better than you. You, could see, you can see people worship with their lips, with their mouth, honor God with their lips, and not actually worship him in their hearts. There's a great divide between the mouth and the heart, which means that there is a great divide between the heart and the hands. We can find ourselves saying, believing, and doing three totally different things. That's what he's saying. He's saying, now, I can, I can be say, saying one thing with my mouth, but what I'm saying with my mouth is not proceeding from my heart. And that divide between my heart from my heart creates a divide between my heart and my hands. Or it creates a unity between my heart and my hands. If worship is not in the heart, whatever's in the heart is going to be reproduced in the hands. Because it's going to eventually flow through the mind if it's not already in the mind. We've seen it. We've seen people say stuff, talk about how they love God, how they worship him, how much he means to them. And we've seen where they did contrary to it. And we've even done it our own selves. A great divide between, in a, in, within us. A war, a strife. It is possible that I could be divided between myself. That there's not even agreement in my spirit, my soul, and my body. Why? Because a lot of times Romans 12 tells us that we must renew our minds. We have to renew our own mind. If I don't renew my mind, guess what? I'm born again in my spirit, and whenever it comes up to my mind, if my mind has not been renewed by the word of God, then my mind will do a search for what the spirit is saying, and because there's nothing in my mind or my soul that matches what the spirit is saying, it kicks it out. And therefore, my mind and my body comes into agreement to do whatever it desires to do. And my mind and my body say, he can't say, I'm not lifting anything. I'm not going to do anything. When the spirit has just said, raise your hands. When the spirit just said, go up to the altar and bow down. But if you never read, well, they bowed before the Lord. If you've never gotten your mind changed, you have to humble yourself before God. Then you'll miss what the spirit is saying because your soul has not been renewed. Your mind has not been renewed. And there's a disagreement within you, within your own self. There's a disagreement. There's a war within you. 
We were created for worship and service. And 24 hours a day, seven days a week, we are performing these tasks. The question is, to whom are we serving and worshiping? A song I love that says, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta, you gonna, you're going to serve somebody. He said, it might be the devil and it may be the Lord, but we're going to have to serve somebody. And every day, all day, we are worshiping and serving somebody. The question remains, who is it that we are serving? Who is it? Who is it that we're serving? In Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verse number 13, it says this. All has been heard. In other words, we talking, Solomon is talking, and he's, he's done everything that can be done. He's, he's tried everything. He's tested everything. And he said, now all has been heard. Now, you done, I done had women. I done bought houses. I done had money. I done had silver. I done had gold. I done dug planted vineyards. I done dug rivers and ponds and lakes and streams. I've done everything that can be done. And he said, now here's the end. The end of the matter is fear God. Revere and worship him knowing that he is and keep his commandments for this is the whole of man, the full original purpose of his creation, the object of God's providence, the root of character, the foundation of all happiness, the adjustment to all in harmonious circumstances and conditions under the sun and the whole duty for every man. Man, that sums it up. That tells us that everything, everything that we're searching for, everything that we're looking for, the happiness that we seek after. And note that he says in this particular verse that it is the duty of man. It is the requirement of man. It's not a choice. It's not an option. It's not something that I can select to do or not to do. It is my duty. It is my responsibility to do this. It is what I'm created to do. It's what I'm made for. It is why I am here. Because when I became born again, I became born again in the image of God again. And there should be something on the inside of me, and it really is, in my spirit that's seeking to worship God. And I'm clearly hearing God in my spirit, but if my soul has not been renewed, I'm resisting in my soul, and therefore there is no manifestation in my body. Remember, worship is when I enter into the presence of God. And when I enter into the presence of God, I naturally and normally see myself for who I am and what I am. And it breaks me emotionally. And when it breaks me emotionally, it should affect my will to the place where I make decisions that I am not happy and content being this way. And it should change my character. It should change my habits. It should change my life, the direction of my life. It should change who I am. 
It should change what I do. I know this seems to be hard. It seems to be difficult, but it's not because it's built within us. We just got to find it. It's made in us to worship God. It's a part of our makeup. It's a part of who we are to worship. We just got to see where we're exerting that energy where it shouldn't be. We just got to see where we're giving ourselves to something other than our God in worship because we're created for it and we're becoming like what we worship. So ask yourself this question, what am I becoming? If I'm becoming like God, then my worship is true. It's in spirit and in truth. So I close this with this. The prayer of the day is, Lord, teach us, teach us to worship you in spirit and in truth. Teach us to worship you in spirit and in truth. Teach us, oh God, to worship you in spirit and in truth. And I say this with all sincerity and love in my heart. God, help us. God, help us. God, help us. We need God's help because we cannot do this on our own. We cannot do this by ourselves. We can't do this in and of ourselves. We need God to help us to perform this function in our lives. The devil has distorted it. We've been taught, told, and seen the wrong things. Now we need to realign, to renew, to be refreshed by our God and allow him to teach us what he desires for us to know about worship. Let us pray. Lord, we just bless you, we praise you, we worship you, we honor you. And we say to you, Lord God, help us in this situation. You created us to worship. You created us to praise and to worship and to honor you. There's a reason and a purpose for it, and it is to make us more like you. It is to help us to find harmony and peace and joy and love and all the things that are promised to us. It is to help us to find you. It is to help us on a continual basis to see ourselves for who we are so that we can be changed daily from one image to another, from faith to faith, from glory to glory, so that we can become what you intended for us to be, so that men in our lives will see you and not see us. So I say, Lord, help us. I say, Lord, have mercy on us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And amen. So we lift them up. Everybody help me out. I want you to help me sing. Simple song. You know it. It just says, Lord, I lift your name on high. Oh, yeah. You know it. 
Thanks for listening. If you enjoy what you heard, make sure to subscribe and share with somebody you know. And tune in next week for more sermons from Truth and Love Ministries Church.